for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. I realise that there are lots of people in the room today, and I realise that it's a hot day um, as well. And also, I realise that a lot of you have come for a specific reason. You've come to see a friend or a relative get baptised today. Um, but... I just wanted to say a few things to you today. And so I'm going to probably speak for about 15 minutes max. And then at the end of the talk, if you can just hang back for a second and I'll give you some instructions about how we're going to do the baptisms, okay? So I don't know if you're like me, but I really don't like surprises. I'm one of those people. I'm not a surprise kind of person. Um, I like to be in control of every situation that I face. And I don't like it if something happens uh, that changes the course of my day. You know, you get those you sometimes get those moments and they just change the course of your day. So, for example, a couple of years ago when uh, Claire and I and my wife lived up in London, um, we uh, lived in a second floor flat and we came back from holiday. It was the middle of the summer and uh, we both had a shower and I realised Claire went in the shower first, obviously, and she took ages and so there was loads of water going through. I realised when I got to my shower that the water wasn't draining away. Um, It was quite gross, if I'm honest with you. So we had a bath, shower, mixer bath, standing in the bath, water wasn't draining away. I go outside and I realise that because it's been hot, what's happened is we've got this old lead pipe outside and as the, the heat from the, the summer sun has, has heated up this pipe, all the debris that was inside the pipe has kind of congealed to the bottom of the pipe. And so me being me, and if anybody knows me that well, knows that I don't like spending money on anything, I'd rather do it myself, I decide that I'm going to become a plumber for the afternoon and fix the problem. And so what I do is um, I try every way to try and get the debris out the bottom of this pipe and eventually I find this method that seems to work. I get a hose and I bring it into the top of the pipe and I push it through and I turn the tap on. So I'm putting quite a lot of pressure through this pipe and I go and stand at the bottom of the pipe and I wait to see what happens. (laughs) Lo and behold, our Victorian pipe splits and I'm covered head to toe in soap suds, hair and all manner of other things, not just from our flat but from the downstairs flat too. There's nothing worse than being covered in somebody else's hair. It's horrible. I don't like surprises very much. And so I like to be in control of every situation that I face. So, for example, if you uh, take an egg, you don't just squeeze it. You crack it carefully, don't you? Sorry, this is my Easter theme for you. You crack the egg carefully. This is going to go really badly wrong. You crack it and you make sure that the egg doesn't go everywhere. You make sure that... You know, actually, I've got every bit there. You don't just take an egg and crush it between your hands and hope that it's going to be okay. You make sure that you have got something over it to put inside it. Now, I hope you'll realise that I've actually blown that egg out this morning, okay? (laughs) But we don't just crack an egg. We don't just squeeze an egg. We crack it carefully because we want to make sure that we're in control of the situation. Perhaps the biggest surprise there was maybe, just maybe, that my egg was empty and it wasn't full of yolk, yeah? Um, And there was a surprise for uh, three ladies on the first Easter Sunday. Oh, thank you, I've got a napkin. This is even better. (laughs) There was a surprise for the three three ladies on Easter Sunday morning. They were expecting to find something that had something in it and they turn up and they find that it's empty just like the egg I just cracked. They... They turn up to the tomb, these three ladies. And these three ladies were um, a lady called Mary Magdalene, who was an prost- ex-prostitute. And uh, it says in the Bible that she, um, was, uh, she, she had been uh, struggling a lot with lots of things to do with um, demonic powers in her life. And she'd been set free from them and she'd followed Jesus. Um, there was a lady called Joanna. 
and a lady called Mary, who was the wife of a man called Cleopas. And they'd all been there at the, the crucifixion. They'd stood and they'd watched Jesus be crucified. And um, quite usually for, for Jews, they don't do anything on a Saturday. It's their holy day of the week. It's called the Sabbath. They refuse to do any work on the Sabbath. And so they'd hurriedly on the Friday when Jesus had died, um, prepared his body for burial. And what happened in, in, uh, in that culture was that they weren't buried in the ground. Bodies weren't buried in the ground. They were buried in a tomb. They were placed in a tomb. And you wouldn't just be the only person buried in the tomb. It would be other family members. And so the Bible talks about the fact that actually Jesus is buried in a tomb that has nobody else in it yet. And so he gets placed in this tomb. And they hurriedly put him in on a Friday night because they need to make sure that they can observe the Sabbath because it's a holy day, a day dedicated to God. And so what's the first thought on Sunday morning? Dawn breaks. They need to get back to Jesus again. They need to get back to what they were doing on the Friday night. They have spices and herbs and things in order to embalm the body of Jesus so that when the next body is laid in the tomb, the dead body of Jesus doesn't smell. So they they are getting these spices and they're bringing them to the tomb. But I'd also like to think this as well about their day, their journey to the tomb that morning, that they're not just going just to embalm a body. They're going to be with Jesus one more time. They're going to just go and be with their Lord. I don't know about you if you've lost a loved one, but there's that moment, even when they've passed, you still want to be with them. Even when they've left you physically, you don't see them anymore in terms of their their spirit's gone, but their body remains. You want to be with their body because it just gives you that connection. And perhaps for you, maybe you go and visit past loved ones at the graveyard. Maybe that's something that you do because you want to be with them. And I feel like there's a sense in which actually Mary, Mary and Joanna that morning... They just wanted to be with Jesus. And they're in a rush. And dawn is breaking. Dawn is just coming about. So imagine their shock and surprise that on the way to the tomb, an earthquake happens. The ground began to shake. We sung the song earlier on. The ground began to shake. Imagine their surprise. Imagine the fear they must have been feeling. What must have been going through their heads at that exact moment in time? They think they're going to go and embalm the body of their Lord Jesus who's just died. But instead the ground starts shaking. And they look at the tomb and they expect to see it shut. But the tomb isn't shut. In fact, actually the stone that was covering the tomb is rolled away. We sung that again this morning as well. They expect a large stone to be blocking the entrance. But instead, the stone blocking the entrance is rolled back. What on earth has happened? They must have been saying to one another. And there are these angels there. These angels at the tomb. And one of the angels says to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary. Now, at that point, I would have run away quite quickly. I don't know about you, but if somebody turned up and they were clearly an angel, they were dressed in white, it says their appearance was bright like the sun. If they turned up to me, the first thing I would do is run as fast as I could in the opposite direction because either I'd think it was a trick or I'd be pretty scared, okay? Um, But they don't do that. These brave um, ladies, they stand there. The angel continues. He says, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has been raised, as he said. What? Must have looked at one another. Jesus isn't dead. Jesus isn't in the tomb. Imagine the relief, the joy, but also imagine the disbelief. Because there's part of the story, if you read all the Gospels, there seems to be some disbelief on the part of Mary, particularly if you read the book of John. Really? This must be a trick, surely. It may be it's a trick. Surely somebody's just taken 
the body away. So they run, John says, and they tell some disciples. They find Simon Peter, the, 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 the man who had followed Jesus closely, but when Jesus was being crucified, had turned away and denied Jesus. They find Peter, and they find John. And John, in the book of John, writes about the fact that he's the one that, this, that Jesus loved. Like, he's Jesus' best friend. He was close to Jesus. And John, so Mary finds Peter, and she finds John. And she tells them, look, the tomb is empty. Somebody's taken the body. She's convinced that somebody's taken the body. In disbelief, in shock, and almost perhaps concern over what's happened, Peter and John run back to the tomb. And um, I don't know whether John's, um, you know, blowing his own trumpet, but he says that he gets to the tomb first, almost like he's a quicker runner than Peter. But he gets to the tomb first, and he goes inside the tomb, and he looks in. And the body is gone. It's clearly gone. And the stranger thing, though, is not just that the body's gone, but the clothes that they wrapped Jesus in on the Friday night are now no longer on a body. They're folded up neatly in a nice pile where Jesus would have been laid. And it's at this point, John recalls in this story when he writes it, he says it's at this point that he believed. He believed something might have happened other than the body just being taken away. It's at this point he believed that maybe Jesus wasn't dead but was now alive. But what about our three women? Well, Mary Magdalene then goes into the tomb. I think she's fearful, she's sorrowful. She's convinced somebody must have taken this body away. And the angels are there inside the tomb, one sitting where Jesus' head was um, when he was laid in the tomb, one sitting at his feet, and the angels are there. One says to Mary, Mary, why are you weeping? They've taken the body. I don't know where they've put it, she says. She turns. She leaves the tomb. She walks out. She's dejected. And then she hears a voice. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? But she's not looking. Perhaps her head is in her hands. Perhaps she's crying. Perhaps she's feels dejected and fearful. I know when I'm sad, I don't want to look at anybody. I just close my eyes and I cry. So she's not looking. She thinks it's the gardener from the cemetery. She says to the, the, the voice, Sir, if you've taken the body, tell me where it is and I will go and fetch it. Mary says the voice. She looks up. Teacher, she gasps, embracing him and falling at his feet in worship. And Jesus says to her, Go. Tell the other disciples what you've seen. And so Mary then runs and tells all the other disciples, I've seen him alive. I've seen the king of kings alive. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And some of them don't believe her still. And then Jesus appears to them. And then they all believe that Jesus has risen from the dead because they see him with their eyes. In fact, Thomas, who gets called Doubting Thomas, Jesus says to him, touch me. See, look, I am alive. I am here. And they believe that Jesus is alive. What a story. What a story. What a story. But what if it's not just a story? What if it's not just a story? What if it's not just about a dead man being raised to life, not by magic or the trick of an eye, but seemingly by his own power? What if it's not just an unexpected surprise and it's just this story in the Bible? What if it really happened? What if 2,000 plus years ago, this event actually took place? What if 
that event actually happened. That Mary saw Jesus come back to life again. Now, the four Gospels, they are all slightly different in the way they tell the story. And historians would tell you that if somebody was recounting something by word of mouth, they would be slightly different. It adds to the validation that this story isn't just a story, but it actually happened. Further to that, you have extra-biblical sources like Tacitus and Josephus. They, they are both Jewish writers, and they say that Jesus was the man crucified and who rose again from the dead. You've got these sources that say that Jesus actually came back to life. And if Jesus came back to life, as Christians we believe this thing, if Jesus came back to life, the whole of the Christian faith has a truth to it. You see, the whole of the Christian faith hinges on this very event. Take or leave the rest of the Bible if this event is not right. But if this event happened, you need to take seriously everything that Jesus said about who he was and what he was here for. So here's a few statements that Jesus made. Jesus didn't say he was just a man. In fact, Jesus claimed he was God's. He said this. He said in John 10, the Father and I are one. He made a claim. In fact, actually, the Jews wanted to kill him. And that's what ended up happening. They did kill him. Because they, they, he kept saying, no, I'm, I'm something more than just a man. I'm God. I'm the son of God's. They hated that. It was blasphemy. Jesus said he was God's. Jesus also said this, he was the only way to know God, the only way. He said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, nobody, nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father. You do not need to know, you do not know him. I'm sorry, you do know him and you have seen him. So Jesus didn't just say that he was God. He said he was the only way for you as an individual to know God. You are the only, the only way to have access to God is through the work of Jesus. Thirdly, if you know Jesus, you can know him forever. You will know eternal life. My dad was speaking this morning about people who are at the end of their life, living with a hope inside of them that they've been called to something more than just this life. They're living with a hope that the body, the frail body that they're living in, the, the body that's running out on them, the body that's given up before they have, isn't the end. They're living with a hope. You see, the Bible talks about Jesus being not just risen, risen from the dead, but being the firstborn from among the dead. He, he, is our, he is our marker telling us that there's going to be a resurrection from the dead, not just for him, but for all people who believe in him who come to know him. We live with a hope that one day we will be raised to new life in Jesus forever and live in resurrected bodies. That's what the Bible talks about. And so you might know these verses. Maybe you heard them at school. But these are probably the most famous verse in the Bible following on from that. Another very famous verse from John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. You know, if you believe in Jesus and believe in the work of him him on the cross for you and his resurrection for you, if you believe in that, you will know eternal life. John carries on. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, says the Bible. You can know him today. You can know him today. And perhaps like Mary at the tomb before seeing Jesus, you feel empty today. Perhaps like Mary, you're grieving today. 
Maybe life's thrown up an unexpected surprise for you, even this week. Perhaps like Mary, when you're on your own, all you feel is sorrow. Well, like Mary, you can know Jesus today. You can meet him today. You can invite him into your life, and by his spirit, he will come in and meet you today. I tell you, there is no joy like knowing Jesus. There's no joy like it. There's no happiness, no real lasting contentment. I've had money. I've had success. I've got a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. But there is no joy like knowing Jesus. He's the peace in the storm of life. He's the light when everything else is dark. The hope when I feel hopeless. The rock I hold on to when everything else in my life is falling apart. The comfort in my sorrow. The prize that I live for. He is Jesus and he reigns in the heavens this morning. He is reigning, forever reigning. King of kings over all things. There's this one sentence in the Bible that sums up, and and my dad actually has mentioned this earlier on today. There's this one sentence that sums up what it takes for you to start following Jesus, and it's this from Romans. It says, uh, Paul writes to the Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And you can start following him and live a life knowing him. I will never know if you believe in your heart he rose again from the dead. I, I will never know that. Only you know that. Only you know that. That's down to you. But maybe, just maybe, as I've told you that story this morning of what happened on that first Easter day, maybe you're starting to think, maybe this could have happened. Maybe this is true. And my encouragement to you today is, if you believe that, but you've never actually confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... Maybe today's the day you say, do you know what? I'm going to confess with my mouth today that Jesus is Lord because I know in my I believe he rose from the dead. Or maybe, just maybe, you're not at that point yet. Maybe you're thinking a little bit more about, actually, I need to find out more about this. But I'm going to give you two options as I close down uh, now and we finish. What I'm going to say is this, is at the end of the meeting, maybe today you're at a point where you want to actually say, do you know what? I don't just want to believe in my heart anymore that he rose again from the dead, but I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And what I'd love to do is pray with you this morning and do that with you. Um, But also, um, Pete and Fran, could you just stand up for me a minute? Pete and Fran run our Alpha course. That's a course where you can find out more about the Christian faith. Um, And if you want to pray with them this morning, they would love to pray with you. Just sit down for me so just so everybody can see you. So if you don't know us, pray with one of the three of us. We'd love to pray with you if you want to find out and become a Christian today. And lastly, Pete and Fran are also going to be running a course in June, and it's called Just Looking. And Just Looking is a four-week course designed especially to help you, in an informal environment, find out more about the Christian faith. So it might be that actually you think there's something in this story. This isn't sounding like it's just a story. It actually sounds like maybe it did happen. And if that's you, but you're not there yet on it, you've not made your way through in it, can I encourage you to maybe think about signing up for that course? Because it's an, an excellent way of just finding out more. Totally relaxed, non-threatening, non-pushing you into anything. Just you helping you on a journey of faith in Jesus. Okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you some directions about baptisms. Um, and I'm going to pray for you. Is that okay? Cool, let's just, uh, if we can just, bow, well you can bow your head if you want. But um, I'm going to bow mine or close my eyes. Oh Jesus, I just, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the testimonies that we received. Jesus, I thank you that when we sing songs, those of us in the room who know you, know that you are not just a ghost, know that you are not just somebody who is dead, but that you are very much alive and reigning, that you are very much alive and reigning in the heavens. Jesus, I thank you that in you we have hope for today, 
and hope for tomorrow. Jesus, I thank you that whatever life situation we're in right now, maybe we're at death's door, maybe uh, we are very sick and unwell. Jesus, I thank you that in you we have hope. And Jesus, I thank you today that we can know you. And I pray for my friends here today, anybody who might be on the cusp of thinking, oh, should I become a Christian? Jesus, I pray today that you would speak to them now. As we go out and see these baptisms outside, God, keep speaking to them and encourage them, Lord. And at the end of the meeting today, that they would be bold enough to step forward and say, I want to know Jesus. Amen. Dollar. Hey. We've come to love this guy. (laughs) This is a remarkable story, Dollar. Um, We'd love to hear some of it. Good morning, church. Um, can I request my lovely wife to join me in here, please? Victoria? <laughs> She's an um, amazing woman. Um, right. I, my name is Dela Dela Bremo, and um, I came from a family of nine children raised in the family um, as, a, as a Muslim. And um, during, my growing, during our growing up, we went to um, Islamic school. My secondary school, we went to missionary school. My secondary school, we went to missionary school. But all these years, I've been a Muslim until I married my lovely wife, who I moved to be a Christian. But that actually didn't stop me from practicing my Muslim faith because um, as a Muslim, it's not just a religion, it's kind of an identity. And um, my journey actually started um, when I started coming um, with her to Gateway. Because she started first, and um, when she comes back from, she will talk and um, she will tell me about the sermon, how she got to church late and she had to sit on the on that stage and at times <laughs> when she gets out there in the cold, no one to open the door and I start looking for someone to open the door and I said to her, okay, in that case I will join you to come down to church and um, even though that didn't stop me doing my, practicing my Muslim religion and um, I pray five times daily, I, I fast every Ramadan period every year and um my first day in here, I was so pleased, I was so welcomed, I, was, I felt so relaxed. And um, every Sunday since then, I followed her to church and um, she'll be doing uh, Christian faith, I'll be doing mine, I'll be praying and um, we discuss. So not until um, Kenny um, gave me a book to read um, by Nabil Koresh. And we try to um, seeking Allah, finding Jesus. This guy came from a Muslim program as myself, and um, a devout Muslim, Muslim um, person that um, encounters Christianity in his lifetime. So I read it, I find it so fascinating, and that's okay. So that kind of, I started shifting my faith and having strong belief in um, Christianity. And um, also, I um, started attending different events. And um, one of the events I attended um, at um, 
boys and tires um, as when they are doing this week of um, spirit and spirit, um, scriptures in spirit or something like that, yeah? And I'm praying for the nation. So when there, um, I was there with my wife, um, Boye and Tayo, and Danny, a own lovely lady, Abby and her husband, and then they asked us, is there anything you want to request in, for, for them to pray for us? And I said, well, I've been struggling about this um, Christian faith, and um, I'd like you to pray for me to have the wisdom to give me the, um, the knowledge, understanding of what is it about Christianity, so they prayed. That was um, on the 12th of February. Then the following day, I attended praying um, for the nation at Oyo's house with um, Danny, Daniel. I'm not going to see I can't see him properly, right? So, and um, after that, we prayed again. And that was then there. Something just says to me, this is it. I need to give my life to, to Christ. So, I, I just said to Oyo, now, and I said to John and my wife, okay, I'm giving my life to Christ. And that's when my journey started. I've been attending um, uh, uh, freedom, freedom in Christ. Yeah, which has been very, very great. This has been a very exciting um, um, course. Thanks to Benedict and husband for using their house for the course, and Paul and the remaining crew for organizing this. And then I always try and seize the opportunity to attend the, um, any events that I've got to do with um, Christianity for me to, to increase my faith in this. So, and um, I have attended the apologetic um, event as well, of course. So, and um, yeah, and I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. <laughs> and yeah, so, and um, also, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for my, um, my, my family, my wife, my children, my actual family, and, and the Gilded family for accepting me for who I am before I joined you as a Christian. And um, I'm grateful to God that um, I'm seeing the light. And, um, and according to Kureshi um, Nabel, he says something that if um, Christianity were truth and it meant giving everything to Follow God. Will you want to follow fruits? Do you, you want to know these fruits? The answer is yes. I have given my life to, to Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord.